Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am your host, Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, and it is an absolute blessing to have you here. The stated mission for C-Suite for Christ is the same exact mission here for the C-Suite for Christ podcast. That is to cover the world in Christ, and we're going to do that unapologetically, unabashedly. And again, we've got a great show in store for you here today. Our guest is going to be Chuck Harris. Chuck Harris is the official executive coach of C-Suite for Christ. And boy, howdy, talk about somebody with a story. Talk about somebody who's going to inspire you and motivate you to live up to your God-given potential. It is Chuck Harris. So he'll be joining us here shortly. But I just want to start with something that was popping into my head recently. And, you know, we live in this nice little uh, cul-de-sac here in our neck of the woods here in the great state of Wisconsin. Go Packers, by the way. And I've got three kids, nine-year-old, seven-year-old, and my baby girl is four years old. And Thankfully, it's a blessing. I mean, we, we, we've got a nice, close-knit neighborhood, and one of the neighbor kids was over. This was uh, in one of the last few nice weather days we had as we started to transition to the winter months and brought his bike over, and our kids were just riding bikes around the cul-de-sac, as kids do, and uh, he left his bike here in his haste to get back home. I don't know if his mom was ringing the dinner bell or whatever, but he, he left here. He booked it. He, he was late or something. He left his bike here. And uh, it's a pretty nice bike. I'm not going to lie. It's it's one of those newer models, I suppose. It drove my kids nuts. They were insanely jealous. They wanted to ride that bike. And I kept telling them, guys, it's not your bike. You have bikes. You ride your bikes around the neighborhood. Uh, the friend's name was Matt. I said, that's Matt's bike. We don't touch that. And part of the reason I didn't want my kids to touch Matt's bike is I didn't want them to scratch it. I didn't want them to ruin it. I didn't want them to wreck it. I didn't want to have to cut my neighbor a check for Matt's bike. But it was one of those things. They, 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 just, they just wanted to ride it. It was something new, something fresh. They thought it was better than their bike. And it's just, it's just interesting how the dynamic with me was handling this situation. You know, if you guys want to ride your bike, that's fine. If you guys want to, I'm not trying to advocate they ruin their bikes, but if you guys want to kind of roughhouse with your bikes, if you you drop your bike on the curb, if you fly over the handlebars and crash your bike, whatever, that, that that's your bike. That's your responsibility. That's your vehicle, as it were. That's fine. If you're going to do that stuff, do it on your bike. Don't do it on Matt's. That's his. It's not ours. We need to be a good steward of that. So when Matt comes back or Matt's parents come back to our house, they pick up the bike, take it home, and it's in the pristine condition that it was when Matt left it in our garage. 
And that just got me thinking why the way that I'm treating this bike, the way that I'm thinking about this bike, the way that I'm talking about this bike. I wonder if that has applications to things that are in my life as well. And I couldn't help but think that maybe there's a scripture verse applicable to this. And and I think that's true. Just like that famous commercial that used to be on TV, there's an app for that. You know, I think the same thing is true with these Bible verses. There's a verse for that. I don't care what situation you're going through in life, personally or professionally, good, bad, or otherwise. There's a verse for that. And of course, even with this bike story, Absolutely, there was. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. One more time, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all In all, I think for me, what really jumps out in this one verse, this one sentence, will be made subject to him who put everything under him. Everything is under God. Therefore, everything is subject to him. Look at your life. Look at the things that are in your life right now. Your family. Your house your money, your career, your opportunity, your talents, your skill sets, your ability, all of that is under God. All of that needs to be made subject to him. And isn't it interesting when you have a little bit of a perspective readjustment, when you recognize what's yours and what's not, how that modifies your behavior to some degree. If the bike was my kid's bike, go ahead, have at it. Do whatever you want to do. But that bike isn't yours. Don't touch it. That bike isn't yours. Be gentle. That bike isn't yours. Don't scratch it. It totally changed my mindset, and it totally changed how I handled that one particular item. Personally, and I struggle every single day. I'm a sinful, busted, broken man. You know, by 8 o'clock, by breakfast time, I've already gone astray, and I'm begging for forgiveness, it seems, more days than not. When it comes to you as a human being, when it comes to you as a business person, how are you going about your decision-making process? Are you thinking, this is my money, I'll do what I want with it? Or are you thinking, you know, this money was a gift from God. This money is on loan from my heavenly father. I'm going to treat it a little bit differently. My spouse, ah, she's my wife. He's my husband. I'll I'll, I'll say what I want. I'll do what I want. It doesn't matter. Or are you saying, hey, my wife is a gift from God. My husband is a gift from God. And I'm going to treat it that way. I'm going to steward it that way. What about a big decision that you have to make? These talents and abilities, they're my talents and abilities. I'm going to do whatever I want. Or is it, you know what? These talents and abilities, I only have them. I only possess them. Because God deemed me worthy of them. Am I going to be a good steward of these talents and abilities? Am I going to use these talents and abilities to show the world who I am? Or am I going to use them to show the world whose I am? Am I going to use these talents and abilities to give glory and honor to my heavenly father? Thinking about what is yours and thinking about what is not yours changes 
the entire decision-making process. And speaking only for myself, I've gotten into huge trouble, huge trouble, personally and professionally, when I made decisions that I thought were best based on things that I thought I owned. This money that I have for performing the services that I do as a sales trainer, keynote speaker, founder of C-Suite for Christ, whatever the case may be. It's my money. I'll do what I want. Boy, I've ended up in some pretty sticky situations by doing what I thought was right with something that wasn't mine to begin with. I was on the brink of bankruptcy about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. The years blur together. That was a painful time in my life. I invested a lot in my business. It didn't work out. I made some pretty foolish purchases personally and professionally, just thinking, ah, I'll make more money. Ah, it's not a problem. And it didn't work out. And it's only by the grace of God that we staved off bankruptcy, my family and I. But again, that was my decision-making process. This is my money, my talents, my business. I'm going to do what I want. Not true. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. When he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him. Everything is God's. Everything needs to be subjugated to him. Everything is under him. Are we treating our life like that? And I can tell you, once I started to recognize that, this is not my money, it's God's money. If I'm thinking, do I make this purchase for my home? Do I make this investment in my business? Do I bring on somebody else on my staff? Do I spend money on this item? I don't know. It's not my money. It's God's. Let me ask God. And now I go through prayerful discernment. I ask God for wisdom. I ask God for guidance. I ask God to point me in the right direction. It's his money. What would you like me to do with it, God? And it's funny, I'm not perfect. I don't have, a, you know, like a microphone directly to God where I hear his voice immediately, but it's interesting. I find that I'm getting more clarity on the decisions that I should and shouldn't make. And more often than not, I'm making the right decisions now because I'm asking God for his guidance because it's not mine, it's his. Same thing is true with my wife. And I'm not the best husband in the world. That's for darn sure. I'm trying, I'm learning. But I'm, I'm not going to be teaching a marriage class anytime soon. But when I think, you know, what, what can I do to make my wife feel extra special? Rather than relying on my wisdom, my knowledge, my thoughts, she's not my wife necessarily. She's a gift from God. God brought us together. God sanctified our marriage. God put her in my life. She's God's. So if I'm trying to think, how do I? Make her happy? How do I bring joy in her life? Can I do something nice for her? I'll give it up to God. God, point me in the right direction. God, give me the right thoughts. God, how can I show her how much I love her? She's not mine. She's God's. And I just want to challenge everybody here today that, again, if we keep this in mind, 1 Corinthians 15, 28, when he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Just remember, nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. Everything is God's. And if we keep that in mind, 
I think it, I think we're going to steward these items differently. We're going to take care of these items differently. And the decision-making process that we're going to go through, this period of discernment, is going to be done slightly differently. And it took my neighbor, Matt, this little boy, leaving his bike in our garage to help really solidify this. And I pray that this solidifies it for you, too. I can tell you, our guest, Chuck Harris, a member of C-Suite for Christ, he is the executive coach for our organization. And boy, what a blessing it is to have a man of his talents and abilities. He's living proof of this, my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm not necessarily going to tell you his story, but he is like one of those, one of the, the Phoenix that rose from the ashes, a brilliant business mind. He, he built a very successful business, a million dollar business, literally, and he lost it all. He lost it all. He made bad decisions. But he learned from it. He built his business back, and he built it back with God in the center. And it's unbelievable to hear now how his business is bigger than ever before, how he's happier than ever before, and how he's living a high-quality life unlike anything he's experienced ever before. We're going to be right back with Chuck Harris. You're not going to want to miss this right here on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Well, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as promised, I am now joined by our guest here today, Chuck Harris. Chuck is the creator of the Accelerated Cashflow System and Business Development Coaching Program. In addition to being a member of C-Suite for Christ, his organization is the sponsor of this podcast. And boy, what a blessing it is to have you here today, Brother Chuck. Blessing to be here. At my age, it's a blessing to be anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're modest. I mean, you, you look darn good for 42 years of age. I'll say Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, we got a lot to unpack here today, Chuck. And as you and I had discussed, our, our, our theme today around our conversation is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28, basically us subjecting everything to God. And boy, you've, uh, you've really learned a lot over the years, and you've got a very compelling story about how you started a business, had a lot of success, and lost it. Would you mind walking our listeners through that story, and just so we get a better understanding of how you came to be the man you are today? Well, years ago, I, I spent really all of my life as a salesperson, and uh, <clears throat> the business that I wound up owning and then losing was a sales organization, electric marketing business. We, we were in the piano business. And I started out as a salesman. And uh, I loved selling. I just love it. And became, over time, the best salesman at the company. And that got the attention of the owner. And the owner wanted to, I, I guess, lock me down. So he offered me a, an opportunity to own part of the business. Uh, so I took that advantage and then, uh, our management styles bristled. And so eventually I bought out the other two partners over leverage, spent way too much money, paid them way too much money. So now the, now the company that I, where I was the, the top salesperson began to struggle because 
just because you're the best at anything in your business doesn't make you the best owner or the smartest guy in the room, which leads me to one point I'd like to make. Never, never, never be afraid to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are. I made that mistake. I thought I had to be the smartest guy. So that's one of the mistakes that I made that, that, that resulted in the company failing. So everything I've learned, everything I teach, everything I put into my program is the result of having learned from my failures. So when I failed, and, and it, <clears throat> number, lesson number one was just because you're the best salesman doesn't make you the best owner or the best leader. Because when I was selling, I was, just, I was just worried about me, my hitting my goal, my exceeding my target. It would just be, it was personally important to me that I do that. I just have always wanted to be the best I could be. So while I was being the best salesperson, I was a lousy manager and a lousy leader because I failed to communicate with the people who were, who I was supposed to be leading. I thought I was doing it by example and they wound up resenting the success that I had. That was a culture issue. So, and, and, I, and I put that blame on me. So then the economy changed, became harder to sell pianos in a market where the stock market was crashing. And, and so the company started to experience cash flow problems. And I was not enough of, a, of an educated business owner to really handle all that stuff. So, so that's why surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you are and teaching them and empowering them to do their best, which I... That was in my heart. I wanted to do that. I just, I just didn't know how. So I, I'm fond of saying these days that the education system has let you down if you're a business owner. And that's unfortunate because all of the things that I've learned could have been taught in school, but they weren't. So now I'm spending the rest of my life teaching my clients the things that they need to know to go farther faster, to become less busy, more effective, make more money. I remember I had a customer years ago, uh, his name was Clyde, and I remember the desk he was sitting at, and he had found out that he had cancer, and it was terminal. So he told me one time, he said, Chuck, he said, here's what I pray every day. I pray, God, here's what I'd like to do, but if you've got a better idea, just show me. So he, there was a submission to God's will. He was a very, very devout guy. And uh, so he decided late in his life that he wanted to become an ordained minister. And uh, it didn't work out. He died before he became a, 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 an ordained minister, but he had that intention. So I've, I've never forgotten those words. But God, if you have a better idea, just tell me, just show me. So I pray a prayer every day. It says, Lord, here I am. I trust that you have an incredible plan for me. Transform me, transform my life. Everything's on the table. <clears throat> take what you want to take, give what you want to give. I make, my, <clears throat> excuse me, I make myself 100% available to you today. Transform me into the person you created me to be so I can live the life you envisioned for me at the beginning of time. I hold nothing back. I'm 100% available. Lead me, 
challenge me, encourage me, and open my eyes to the possibilities. Show me what you want me to do and I'll do it. That's what Clyde did. And God had a better idea. And I found out with regard to my failures that God had a better idea. I just stayed at that piano store till the day I died. They'd have had to carry me out feet first because I loved what I did. I loved selling. God had a better idea, but he said, you're so stubborn. I'm just going to have to take it all away so we can build you back. So, so uh, what was, so walk me through this a little bit then, if you can. So, so you're obviously a good salesperson. Obviously, you're passionate about what you do. You, 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 you're a very competitive guy. You wouldn't get to where you are today in life if you didn't have a little bit of a competitive advantage. Despite all of that, this endeavor failed. How, how as a Christian, as a man of faith, how were you able to bounce back spiritually? Because some people that invest their blood, sweat, and tears into an organization, it, it's very difficult to recover. For, for some individuals, they feel like they failed. They feel, oh, I'm worthless. This, this isn't in the cards for me. I let everybody down. I'm sure there were some, some sad moments. I'm sure there were some low moments, but obviously you got back up. How did your faith sustain you during that really challenging time <clears throat> following that business failure? Well, I, had, I like to get things down to real simple choices. One, I could get, I could be bitter about this, and I could dig myself a hole and crawl into it and just go through life regretting everything that went before. Or I could surrender to God and say, what do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to make of this mess? I, I made the mess. I'll take responsibility for that. Now you tell me, what's your better idea? And he gradually led me through a, a number of businesses, a number of opportunities, a number of learning experiences that got me to where I am today. So I had to surrender. I just had to surrender and trust that God would lead me. And he did. Well, and, and one of the things that I really admire about you, and that's why we're having this conversation today with respect to subjugation. I mean, everything is subjected to God. Our businesses are subjected to God. Our social media platforms are subjected to God. The people in our lives, everything is well, subjected they, they, to God. They should be. As they should be, absolutely. But a lot of people don't recognize that. You know, they, they might say, okay, God, I'll give you my business, but my money is mine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want with that. Or I'll give you, I'll give you my spouse, but my business is mine and my leisure activity yeah, is mine. Sure. No, no, no. Yeah. Everything is God's. And I, and I firmly believe that's why your business, this second go around, has flourished because you love to tell people that you have put God at the center of your business. Oh, I, I remember one guy, one guy, uh, I'm calling him a strategic partner. He said, Harris, you're the only guy I know that lost a million dollars, lost your business. You tell everybody about it and you prosper as a result of it. He says, I can't figure it out. Well, in the program that I did, the accelerated cash flow system, I have 12 modules. Module number 11 is acceleration. The idea is to accelerate everything in your business, your cash flow, the growth that you're on. So I put that at the end because that's, it's like graduation. They call it commencement. It's not, it's the end of your schooling, but it's the beginning of the rest of your life. And when I'm done with these people, acceleration needs to become how they think. And number one, the number one accelerator on that list of 12 accelerators is God. And I tell people, 
I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I can't do that. I wouldn't do that. And I'm not charging you enough to tell you what to do. I'm going to bring some options to the table. I'm going to tell you, I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm just telling you that I believe in God because I've been in trouble so many times and asked for his help so many times. And he answered me so many times that I could never doubt that he's there. Never. I couldn't. It's impossible for me because every time I ask, I get. So I teach people, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's biblical. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You've got to ask. When you ask, you're subjugating yourself because you're saying, I don't have the answer. I need your help. Just the act of asking. Yeah, very well said. And, and boy, not only is that true spiritually, you know better than most people that's true in the world of sales. sales. You know, people typically don't walk into the piano store and beat you over the head with their checkbook. You've got to deliver some value. Yeah. Well, I, I absolutely. When, 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 Go ahead, when you deliver the value, then you have the right to ask for the order. And then don't ask for the order before you've delivered value. Absolutely. And one of the things that you said that was profound, and because you're the master of taking complex ideas and breaking them down into very simple notions, you would talk about putting God first. I mean, what does that mean? How, how, how does a business owner know if he or she is truly putting God first? Well, you have to trust God that he'll tell you if you ask. So I end this little prayer that I shared before with God. What do you want me to do today? God, who do you want me to help today? What do you want me to learn today? And then I ask, how can I make you smile today? Because in my life, I know that there are many times I have not made him smile. So as an old guy, it's really fun to think that something I do today could make him smile. And I won't know till I get to heaven and he tells me that he smiled. But I do know that when he helps somebody else, we help somebody believe in themselves when they're, when they're beaten down. When we help them believe or, or resuscitate their belief in God when they're, when they're tempted to, to think that he's not there. I believe that those moments make him smile. And there's a writer that I follow that uh, is, a, is an international business coach. His name is Matthew Kelly. <clears throat> he's also on fire for Christ. And he said, God has put within the seeds of every human being, the seeds of greatness. He's placed within your heart, the seeds to be great. Our role in life should be to discover what we're supposed to be great at. Water those seeds, grow the plants, harvest the results and share those with others. That also is biblical because there are many gifts, but one God. Well, and, and that's another synergy that you and I certainly have. I mean, one of my favorite passages in scripture is the parable of the talents. God has yes. richly bestowed upon us this unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities. And not only are we supposed to use those, we're supposed to use those to give glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. Here's my question for you, though, and, and I know you've done this a lot in your coaching practice. Again, it sounds simple when you say this, Chuck, you know, identify those seeds and nurture those seeds. How do you identify those seeds of greatness that God has put inside of us? Well, the first thing I do with a client is ask him, if I could touch your forehead with a magic wand, what do you want? And they tell me what they want. <clears throat> and I used to say, if I could bring a magic genie into this room and sit with us, 
what are, what are the three things you would ask him for? And I was blown away. Never did the three things have anything to do with their business. It always had to do with their family. It had always had to do with their relationship with their wife. It had to do with getting more time. Your business is simply a mechanical set of systems that should throw off enough money that allow you to get those other things that are more important. So since I work with business owners to help them become less busy, more effective and make more money, I, have to, I can't have them tell me three things that have nothing to do with their business. I help to tune up the part of their business that they're not paying attention to. I know they're good at what they do. They're great at what they do. They're not necessarily good at systems that bring business in or how to market their business. And they're almost never good at managing what's going on in their business. That's, those two things account for 80% of whether they're going to survive or not. Ask me how I know that. You're 20% of the success, equa success equation. What you do and how great you are, that's 20% of it. I was the greatest salesman that company ever had. It still failed. Why? Because the other 80% wasn't covered. Because nobody taught me, nobody showed me, and nobody cared enough to, to lead me. So that's what I do these days. Figure it out. Help people figure out what are your seeds of greatness. Let's identify them. I can tell them from just from, I do an assessment. It's a questionnaire. They answer several pages of questions. I know in an instant where they stand professionally, personally, and financially. I know now. And from talking to them, I'll hear, I'll, their passion will come through to me. And I'll say, look, you, I'm going to take what they told me, relate it to what I've learned about what I believe their seeds of greatness are, and help them grow them. And so I now I'm bringing four new coaches onto my system because I can't handle it all myself. And they're all former clients where I heard from them. I, I got an in, insight into what was great about them. They're all better than I am in some way or in, in some cases, multiple ways. So I've gotten over the idea that every nobody can be smarter than me in the room. I want everybody to be smarter than me because it's by collaborating that, that the greatness will come out their gifts will enhance my gifts. Well, one of the things that makes me fond of you, among others, I don't think we have enough time to go through that entire list, but it, as our listeners might be aware of, we do have a television show behind the Right Now Media paywall called Faith at Work. And this is one of the things that I love about the C-Suite for Christ organization is we are outspoken, unapologetic advocates for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In, in this society where you're supposed to be quiet, in this society where you're supposed to take your Bible and go home, we are outspoken, unapologetic advocates for our Lord and Savior. So help me with this, Chuck. It's not always easy to talk about your faith at work. It's not always easy to tell the world not who you are, but whose you are. And I think you have done that masterfully, not just with people that believe what you believe, but also people where it might be unsafe to have these conversations with, how have you gotten so comfortable talking about God in the workplace? Because he saved me. I'm here because I, I, I tell everybody, write this number down, 27,375. That's the number of days you'll be on this planet if you live to be 75 years old. I'm older than that. I'm out of days if 75%, if 75 years is the, is the marker. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the bonus round. He's given me more time. I've got, and I have a responsibility to deliver something in return for that. I get up every day and the first words out of my mouth are, thank you, God, for waking me up. 
What do you want me to do with this time? And who do you want me to help? Send me the people who need what you've taught me. And he keeps sending them. And then I tell people, I'm not going to tell you what to believe, but I'm just going to tell you so that you can run the other way if you're afraid of what I'm going to say right now. I'm a God guy. He has saved me. He has rescued me. He has restored all the money that I lost. And then some. And given me the opportunity to bring value to people. Bob Hope said years ago, what I gave away in matchboxes, I got back in boxcars. That's got to work. So the last question I'd have for you, and I wish we had more time, but boy, time sure flies when you're having fun, I suppose, in about 60 seconds or less. What is one thing that you wish more business owners or business professionals knew that they, for some reason, simply don't? Your business can be a platform for expanding the in, your influence to bring people to Christ. And in the Psalms, it says, the workman is worth his wage. God will not be outdone in generosity. You be generous in giving your time and your effort and devoting your business to building his kingdom. And, and I forget the, it's in Malachi. Bring ye the tithes and the offerings into my storehouse, said the Lord, and prove me now herewith, if I will not pour you out a blessing, there will not be room to contain it. Words of wisdom, very well said. And, and what I would just say is the founder of C-Suite for Christ, that it is just such a blessing to be partnered in such a way with Chuck Harris. Again, Chuck is the creator of the Accelerated Cash Flow System and Business Development Coaching Program. I mean, he's the total package. When it comes to somebody with so many years of experience, somebody who's lost a million bucks, made a million bucks, and then some learned from his mistakes, but not only that, a, a Christ-centered human being that puts God at the center of all that he does. He is a fountain of wisdom, and he's yours free for a one-hour consultation if you become a member of C-Suite for Christ. Brother Chuck, it's been a blessing to get to know you over the course of the past couple of years. I always learn so much when we talk. Thank you for your partnership, and really, thank you for being here today. It was wonderful to talk to you. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. I won't forget you, no, 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 no. I won't forget you. You're like one of a kind, and my eyes light up when I think about you. I won't forget you. Life goes on and on and on.